It has been three weeks since the wildfires on the island of Maui torched the town of Lahaina and left at least 115 people dead. This was the deadliest wildfire in the U.S. in more than a century, and the left is not letting this crisis go to waste. Politicians and the media alike want you to blame one thing for all of this carnage. Climate change. 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 Still a ton that we don't know about the, the wildfires in Maui. But there is one thing that we all do know. That was not true at all. Tonight, I take you through the facts of what actually happened on Maui and who's really to blame. Because the same progressives who want to convince you that it's all about climate change are the ones who set Maui up for disaster. And I'll speak to somebody who is on the ground in Maui to get the truth about what survivors are going through and saving. Tonight, how left-wing government failed Hawaiians. Well, hello, America. The Maui wildfire tragedy is a microcosm of the failure of progressive governments everywhere. This is what's happening to our country. As go California, so goes America. As goes Hawaii, so goes America. We are seeing tragedy play out over and over and over again. And this tragedy encapsulates the completely out-of-touch mindset of left-wing Democrats who are currently running and running so many cities and states into the ground. Their policy priorities ensure that in an emergency, the system fails people when they need it most. Unfortunately for the citizens of Hawaii, this lack of common sense contributed to the worst disaster in the state since Pearl Harbor. On August 8th, several wildfires started in Maui, but the worst one tore through the historic town of Lahaina on the west side of the island. Lahaina is the former capital of Hawaii. It had a population of about 13,000 people. The town was obliterated. 115 people now have been confirmed dead. An estimated 3,000 homes destroyed. Nearly 5,000 people don't have a home. It is the worst U.S. wildfire disaster in over 100 years. On Friday, the FBI released a list of an additional 388 people reported missing. That list includes people for whom officials have verified first and last names and the phone number of the person that reported them missing. Since that list was, re was released, at least 100 people have been located alive. That's good news. But earlier last week, officials said there were over 1,000 people still missing. So the FBI admits that the official number of missing still could grow hundreds more than it is today. The fear is that bodies were burned so badly that not even bone fragments or evidence is left to help identify many of the victims. Officials are asking relatives of the missing to submit DNA samples to help identify the remains. Now, the Maui Police Department requested assistance from the FBI in the DNA collection effort. However, nobody's doing it. 
The FBI insists that the samples will be used for the sole purpose of identifying the missing, and they will not retain DNA in their database. Do you believe that? Apparently, the people on Hawaii with missing loved ones don't believe that. So far, only 104 people have submitted samples. And based on the FBI's track record in recent years, it's hardly a shock that people are reluctant to fork over their DNA. Another fear is that many children still are among the missing. School was not in session the day of the wildfires, and many of the kids were home alone or with grandparents while their parents were at work. I told one of the hardest stories I've ever told on radio last Friday. I relayed the story of one mom who tried to make it home to check on her 14-year-old son. Traffic was at a standstill, people trying to escape. She tried to make it on foot after being turned away over and over and over again. She ran around a police barricade. A man on a motorcycle got her closer to where her home was. First responders, when she got there, assured her that the area had already been cleared and to have faith that her son made it out. She was sent down to a gathering place where everyone was supposed to be who survived. She waited on that beach for two days. Then she finally made her way home. She found the body of her son on his bed in what was his room, clutching his dog. One man in tears told the Associated Press, quote, nobody had a warning. We could have saved a lot of kids if we had just had a 10 or 15 minute warning. So why weren't people warned? Well, this is a big one. Cell service was quickly knocked out by the high winds and fire. So people were unable to warn each other and only received official alerts, a few people on their phones. Then the 911 system went down. And then uh, a government social media alert to evacuate a neighborhood in Lahaina came an hour after many residents had already fled. Worst of all, Maui's emergency siren system was not used, which is an incredible failure I'll come back to later. The president of the Hawaii Firefighters Association said, quote, there were 60 to 80 mile an hour winds and we don't train for that. It was a blowtorch blowing sideways and pushing the fire house to house faster than anyone could extinguish it. You live on an island with very high winds. I wonder why you wouldn't train for that. But maybe that's me. I'm not a firefighter. On the um, onrushing fire, it was burning out of control, caused many people to try to flee their cars only to find the primary escape route blocked by police so they couldn't, many burned to death in their cars. Local police chiefs said they were not trying to keep people from leaving, they were just trying to stop people from driving over live wires. Why were the wires still live? We'll get back to that later. He insists that police drove the streets of Lahaina knocking on doors and using loudspeakers to urge people to evacuate. The Associated Press filed public records requests for documentation on police and their effort that day, but Maui County has yet to release any of the information. One eyewitness had this to say about police blocking the exit route. And I was wondering what was stopping the traffic. Well, it was a policeman. 
And I got to the end and I looked up north, there were no obstructions, there was no reason to keep those cars there. Are you serious? I'm serious as a heart attack. And I, I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm under orders to keep them here. And I said, the fire is, is right around Safeway. It's going to hit Front Street. You know, these people got to get out of here. And he said, I'm following orders. No way. And I, so I just kept walking. I, well, maybe he knows something I don't, you know, so. You're saying they were blockaded in by the police at the end of Front Street? Yeah. Those who listened to the police and the authorities, many of them died. Those who went against the official orders, dodged the road barricades, managed to survive. But many had to abandon their cars and jump into the ocean. Many others couldn't escape the fast-moving flames that burned in their cars. You can see the number of burnt cars lined up together on Front Street. This is absolutely insane. Three weeks later, where are the answers? Like, why have most uh, Lahaina residents still not been allowed to visit their property to see what might be left of their homes? We have an answer for that. Some are questioning the official death count, including one assistant at a morgue who said they ran out of body bags and the death toll actually is 480. The Daily Mail published photos uh, and video of refrigerated trailers brought in to hold the overflow of bodies from the morgue. People are also questioning how many children are among the missing. When asked about it, the mayor of Maui, uh, Maui County didn't have an answer. Watch this. I don't know. I was yes, you do. You. How many children are missing? You know. I, I knew the answer to that. I'd be happy to answer that. You have no estimate right. as to how so, many children are missing? I guess Nothing? we can end this right now. You guys want? Sorry. This is it one of the biggest takes, questions that the takes, people of Lahaina have, but you don't want to answer. It always takes one or two to ruin it for everybody. What is he talking about? There's no estimate on how many children? Why? Amid the uncertainty and lack of answers, rumors swirl, including one that some Maui residents are getting eviction notices. The rumors are true, according to a representative from the Maui Tenants Association, who spoke at the first public hearing on Maui County's disaster response last week. We've been receiving call after call of people who are being asked to be evicted by their landlords. People who are being displaced during a time of emergency. The landlords who have the gumption and the gall, the nerve and the lack of empathy to push evictions on their tenants right now do not care. The understandable paranoia of tenants and homeowners is not helped by the fact that the state owns over one-third of all of Hawaii's lands, including the land all around Lahaina, and that the state may be planning to acquire even more land, according to these ill-timed comments from the Hawaii governor, Democrat Josh Green. I'm already thinking about ways for the state to acquire that land so that we can put it into workforce housing, to put it back into families, or to make it open spaces in perpetuity as a memorial to people who were lost. That's one of his first responses, spoken like a true progressive. He's already thinking about ways for the state to acquire that land. That was like day three into this. I'm sure that was a great comfort to everybody who lost a home or a business or a family member in Lahaina. By the way, look it up. 
If you look up uh, FEMA and one of their goals now in response is how to build back better, how to um, return the land back to nature when there is a disaster. One attorney who spoke at the Maui uh, County public hearing seems to speak for a lot of Maui residents who are livid at their government for failing them. The government is liable for this, grossly negligent, at least if not criminally negligent, right? And they should clean up all that land, restore that land to the people who own that because they failed here. They failed. The government failed. But when the government is in charge of everything, including the police and investigative arms, who do you go to? This is why progressivism is so bad. This is why giving all of the power to the government and letting them control everything. When something goes wrong, who do you go to? The press? In the absence of government transparency, conspiracy theories thrive, and Americans become even more distrustful of their government. We haven't even gotten to the biggest ways Hawaii's progressive government failed its people. We'll look at those in a minute. I am the world's luckiest man. Not only do I have the world's best wife who won't put up with any of my whining or any shenanigans at all. She made me try Relief Factor when I was in pain. Uh, I was about to give up and she said, you got to try this. And I said, honey, it's not going to work. And I had constant pain and I was so frustrated. I tried everything. She made me try it for three weeks. She made me do the, and I was in denial the whole time. I'm like, it's not working. It's not working. And then after three weeks, I stopped taking it. And it was indeed working. And I started feeling better and better every day that I was taking it. If you're dealing with pain in your life, if you feel like you've tried everything, I get it. Try Relief Factor. If it works for you, you'll get your life back. It's a three-week quick start, 1995. Trial pack, not a drug, but developed by doctors. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and about 70% of them go on to order more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. 800-4-RELIEF. The three-week quick start, relieffactor.com. What happened in Maui three weeks ago is a nightmarish case study in progressive screw-ups. First, there is that unbelievable decision by the head of Maui's emergency management agency not to sound the emergency warning sirens. Here was his excuse. Do you regret not sounding the sirens? I, I do not. The sirens, as I mentioned earlier, is used primarily for tsunamis. Had we sounded the siren that night, we're afraid that people would have gone Malka. And if that was the case, then they would have gone into the fire. Okay. What, do they not have eyes or noses? They couldn't see? They're going to walk into the fire? They're going to go up the mountain? By the way, the people who didn't listen to the government didn't expect to do exactly what the government said. They went up that path. Um, unfortunately, they lived. Maui's own emergency management website says the sirens are also used for wildfires. Plus, there was a local report just this last week. 
HNN Investigates confirmed an assistant telecom officer working at the state emergency management office reminded his counterpart at the Maui Emergency Management Office that sirens could be used to alert residents of wildfires. The state says this happened prior to the catastrophic blaze that swept through Lahaina Town. Maui residents don't appreciate the insult to their intelligence about the sirens. Their reasoning is that they would have put on the sirens and then people would move up into the fire, okay? I call bull because we're not stupid, all right? If we would have been warned at two in the afternoon, we could have saved everything out of that apartment instead of just ourselves, all right? And there wouldn't be all the death and the people jumping into the ocean on fire. Nine days after the fires, the head of Maui Emergency Management resigned, citing health reasons. It also turns out that he had actually no emergency management experience before he was hired in 2017. Why was he hired for that job then? Well, his training was political science. Then there are the failures from the Hawaiian Electric Company, the company that provides 95% of all of Hawaii's electricity. It's a public-private partnership. A lot of data and video evidence seems to point to the power lines causing the fires. Earlier this week, Hawaiian Electric actually admitted that their power lines caused the first fire near Lahaina, but then said, but the firefighters didn't fully extinguish it. Oh, already multiple lawsuits have been filed against Hawaiian Electric for its alleged negligence in maintaining and operating its equipment. The National Weather Service issued warnings on Sunday and Monday before the wildfires broke out on Tuesday that high winds and dry conditions posed a serious fire threat. Yet, Hawaiian Electric didn't even turn the power off on Maui, even after the winds began knocking down power lines. Cutting power has become a common practice in recent years in California, Oregon, Nevada, to help reduce the chance of sparking wildfires after they receive high wind warnings. But the Hawaiian Electric claims they didn't have that protocol in place to cut power like that. Oh, oh, okay, well, don't use your brain. Just stand there. Do we have a protocol for this? Is anybody, can anybody get a boss on the phone so I can make a decision? It's not really a great excuse considering that in 2019, when Maui had a rough fire, a wildfire season that killed 89 people, Hawaiian Electric announced it would install insulated conductors to reduce the risk of sparks in high winds. They would also apply fire retardant on power, uh, power poles and, and install better equipment to monitor weather conditions. But you know all that stuff? They didn't do any of that stuff. So what have they been doing? Well, they've been busy. Going green, of course. Why? Because Hawaii's Democrats and progressives have a ironclad majority, and they mandated it. Because the politicians, I mean, follow science, they know what's best. The Hawaiian legislature passed a 2015 law requiring Hawaii's energy to be 100% renewable by 2045. It would be the first U.S. state to make such a requirement. In 2017, Hawaiian Electric claimed, oh, we're going to be able to do that five years ahead of schedule. 
Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal reports that even though Hawaiian Electric knew about its aging equipment and the wildfire risks in 2019, the company spent less than $245,000 on wildfire safety improvements. Last year, the CEO of Hawaiian Electric received a bonus based on reaching several target goals, including renewable energy. But reducing the wildfire risk? Yeah, mm, I don't think we hand out bonuses for that. Since Democrats are absolutely obsessed with, dare I say it, the lie of climate change, Hawaiian Electric concentrated most of its resources chasing the holy grail of green energy, rather than focusing on the immediate risks that have now boiled over and destroyed countless lives in Miami. By the way, Hawaiians already pay by far the highest electricity rates in the country. and This is what they get. Shooting itself more, even more in the foot, it's now being reported that Hawaiian Electric took some of the evidence away in Maui. They removed the poles and the power lines and the other equipment you know, before the investigators could access the scene, but they promised they took really good pictures. Adding insult to all these injuries, even after the wildfires were raging, not enough water was available to fight them. Firefighters had contained a grass fire in Lahaina in the early afternoon of August 8th. The West Maui Land Company sent a request to Hawaii's Department of Land and Natural Resources asking that it would divert stream water to its reservoirs so firefighters could access it. Well, they made that request at one. Five hours later, the request was finally granted. But in the meantime, that initial fire in Lahaina that had been contained, yeah, reignited by the strong winds and quickly became the raging inferno that destroyed the entire town. What caused the delay? What, what could possibly... Well, I mean, were they on a smoke break? Oh, that, no, they wouldn't do that. The deputy director of the Water Resource Commission insisted that we have to get permission. I mean, yeah, lives are at stake, but we can't play, break the rules. We've got to get permission from the local farmer to ensure that his indigenous crop would not be affected by the temporary reduction in water supply. The crop, it was deemed, was more important. The rules were more important than saving lives. Here he is, before the most recent wildfires, discussing his beliefs about water. We've become used to looking at water as like something which we use and not necessarily something w that we revere as that thing that gives us life, right? I mean, to me, it's a shift in value set. My motto is always like, let water connect us and not divide us. Like we, we can share it, but it requires true conversations about equity. Ah, equity. Oh, man. I bet all of those people that were screaming for their lives because they were abandoned in their home and had no way out. I bet they were thinking about equity. Turns out the fire hydrants ran dry for the firefighters in Lahaina. Following the incident, deputy director who wanted to check with the indigenous farmer first has now been reassigned by the government to yet another new position 
Oh, what one is that? Yet the department spokesman insists that this reassignment does not suggest he did anything wrong. Right? Uh-huh. Sure. Last year, two state senators... Why isn't he fired? They're just covering up. That's all they're doing. I'm not going to pick a fight with him. Just move him so... Boy, if the people in Maui continue to vote for this... Just last year, two state senators from Maui submitted a bill that would force the Department of Land and Natural Resources to allow fresh water to be used to fight wildfires in West Maui. You know what they did? Nothing. The bill died without even getting a hearing. As if all of this incompetence couldn't get any worse, it turns out that each of these specific failures, the lack of emergency sirens, Hawaiian Electric, you know, not turning off the power in the high winds, fire hydrants with no water, no cell phone alerts, no evacuation plan. It all happened five years ago in West Maui. The 2018 wildfires were ultimately contained, but it still burned down 21 houses, 27 cars, and 2,000 acres. Despite the outcry from the residents in 2018 to fix these issues, the Washington Post reports that nothing was done. The head of the West, Taxpayer, the West Maui Taxpayers Association, who lost his home in the Lahaina wildfire this month, said, quote, everything we told them, meaning the government agencies, everything we told them was true. They didn't pay attention to our warnings. They didn't do what we asked them. And they minimized it. And now people are dead because of it. Wow. Since when has our government minimized your thoughts? Since when has the government mocked you in your warnings? Since when has the government not responded to its people? This is why you don't give governments ultimate power. Disasters like this, as horrific as they are, should be an opportunity to enhance people's trust in their elected leaders, in their government. We should want to be able to fully trust the agencies that supposedly work for us because we pay them. But that's not the way it is. That's not the way it will ever be. I've said this before, but it is worth repeating. No one should ever be afraid of their government, either because of tyranny or incompetence. That's why you must master over it, or it will master over you. Back in a minute with the biggest lie about the wildfires in Maui. All right, I want to talk to you about uh, something else. My Patriot Supply. Sometimes, um, sometimes, I mean, I think we all feel it. I talk to people who are, d d don't agree with me, may not even know me, um, and they'll say, yeah, there's something, something's not right. Really, you think so? Natural disasters, economic disasters, the, from the so-called acts of God to the acts of the gods in Washington, you and I have to keep in mind there are no promises given that tomorrow is going to go well. This is one of the reasons why it's smart to have things like emergency food on hand. It is always better to have it and not need it rather than need it and not have it. 
Fortunately, the place to go is here. Patriot Supply, my Patriot Supply. They're the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. I keep it on hand for when things go south. You should, too. Please head to my website, preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. You'll save $200 on your three-month emergency food kit from my Patriot Supply. Wide variety of delicious meals offering 2,000 calories for every day. Optimum strength under stress. Stock up. Now, free shipping, automatic. Your order ships fast. Go to preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. Well, let's be real, world. Climate change is here. We are in the midst of it with a hotter planet and fiercer storms. Are you saying that climate change amplified the cost of human error? Yes, it did. We very, very much need to acknowledge that climate change is upon us. There are whole states, by the way, Jake, where you can't even the, you use the words climate change because they still have a hit in the sand attitude. The climate change uh, problem, the fuse has been burning for decades, and now the climate change bomb has gone off. All of those things have been impacted by climate change, so we can't tell this story without talking about the climate crisis. This is the biggest lie about the wildfires in Maui. Climate change did not cause these fires. It's, it's grotesque to use this tragedy as part of your propaganda. There could be 1,100 people dead. It's grotesque. Blaming this on climate change makes for easy sound bites and headlines. You know, there's no information on what the specific cause was, dovetailed perfectly with the narrative. Texas is hot. You know what? Texas is hot every summer. The media has been building all summer about climate change, Canadian wildfires. They make it sound like the planet is getting so hot. Some areas just spontaneously combust into wildfires. Maybe there's some big conservative with a giant magnifying glass that's burning these states. Half of Canadian wildfires, by the way, are caused by lightning strikes. The other half by humans. In the U.S., people cause around 85% of the wildfires. Only you can prevent wildfires. Wildfires are common in Hawaii. 20,000 acres burn every year. 98% of them are human-caused. 20,000 acres every year. According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, scientists rank wildfires at the bottom of natural disasters that they can attribute to climate change. The bottom. Now, Lahaina, it means home. No, it doesn't, actually. Lahaina means cruel sun. And that part of western Maui is always hot and dry this time of the year because of the cruel sun. A wildfire specialist at the University of Hawaii has been warning with his research since 2014 that the wildfire risks in Hawaii are man-made. The day after the fires destroyed Lahaina, he tweeted, quote, Blaming this on weather and climate is misleading. Hawaii's fire problem is due to the vast areas of unmanaged, non-native grasslands from decades of declining agriculture. Huh. So what you're saying is, 
if the land isn't managed, then it could turn into a tinderbox, especially in the summer. You see, as large sugarcane plantations shut down over the past few decades, non-native grasses spread all over the island. Non-native, meaning it's not natural for it to grow there. And it was such a spread of this that in 2020, a report by Maui County said that West Maui has a 90% chance of having wildfires every year. Hmm. So they knew it was coming. They were warned it was coming. They announced that they knew it was coming. Then they didn't do anything about it. So the scope of the tragedy in Lahaina, it was preventable. The fact that wildfires broke out, no surprise. If climate change is really spitting fireballs uh, at us with increasing, increasingly regularity, uh, then why has the area of land burned worldwide been declining since 1905? Better firefighting? Probably. But also, a much larger worldwide population means a lot more man-made fires. Yet according to NASA, last year, the world hit a new record low of 2.2% area burned. A new record low. Remember the scientific consensus, the one that left is always telling us exists around climate change? Yeah, it's not true. Surprise, surprise, it's another lie. They never mention any scientists who don't agree with the consensus. Like the international group of over 1,600 scientists who, just this last week, signed a declaration stating that there is no climate emergency. Now, one of those uh, scientists is John Clauser. Who, uh, he's just a Nobel Prize winner, but why listen to him? He recently said, and I quote, the popular narrative about climate change reflects a dangerous corruption of science that threatens the world's economy and the well-being of billions of people. Misguided climate science has metastasized into a massive shock journalistic pseudoscience. Now, he's right. But how did this shock journalistic pseudoscience develop? Well, it's partly in thanks to a great organization I've met on this, uh, I've mentioned on this show recently called Covering Climate Now. They were founded to insert climate change into every news story, no matter what it's about. King Charles wiped his butt today, but it was a little harder for him due to climate change. CC Now was co-founded in 2019 by the Columbia Journalism Review and The Nation magazine. Ah, oh, well, there's journalism. They now have over 460 media partners, including Reuters, Bloomberg, CBS, MSNBC, Telemundo, PBS, Al Jazeera, and a ton others. Under its guidelines on best practices for climate journalism, they say... Quote, there is simply no good faith argument against climate science. And they advise newsrooms to, quote, treat activists like newsmakers and to, quote, pick visuals carefully. Stories about extreme heat, for example, are better illustrated by 
um, images of frazzled people at the cooling center than fun in the sun photos. This is propaganda. This bogus narrative is being very carefully and strategically marketed to you as legitimate news. It is propaganda, plain and simple. You have to know this. Next, somebody who was on the ground who can tell us what he learned in Maui this last week. When was the last time you checked the legal title to your home? Most victims of home title theft, they have no idea that they're a victim until it's too late. Take this homeowner, for instance. She was getting ready for a home remodel when everything got shut down all of a sudden. She discovered her property wasn't her property anymore. Turns out she was a victim of devastating crime called home title theft. Criminal had forged the deed to her home and taken over as the new owner. Now she's having to fight to get her own home back. You have enough to worry about. Your home, property, equity, your most valuable assets. And Home Title Lock helps you protect them. Home Title Lock puts a shield around your home's title. The instant they detect activity or tampering, they help shut it down fast. First things first, you need to verify you aren't already victim of home title theft. And you can find out. Free sign up. You just use the promo code BECK at HomeTitleLock.com. That's promo code BECK. HomeTitleLock.com. Sign up for your uh, sign up and find out if your home is yours and your first 30 days of protection is free. I swear to you, I don't think this looks the same on TV. I feel like a, it's like, a, I don't know, a cowboy gangster or something. I, I don't know what I was thinking. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We want to in- introduce you to uh, J.P. Decker. If you've been a longtime uh, viewer of this show, you've probably seen him uh, and his work multiple times. You were a senior producer for me for quite some time. Quite some time. Uh, and then you left me. I don't care. I did. Yeah, I was seeing other networks. Uh, and you were the senior booker for Fox and Friends yep. for a few years. I was. Then you came back here, and now you're the executive director of Mercury One's American Journey Experience. And um, I asked that you would go over to Maui because I knew your storytelling ability and knew that you would know exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And you have a huge heart. Um, so, tell me a few things. First, let's start here. Um, why are people still not being allowed to enter their homes? When we were there, we were there for uh, quite a few days, and we spoke with a lot of the local people there, and we would ask, have you been in yet? And they said, no, we're not allowed in, but we're f- we've been filling out all the FEMA paperwork to allow us back in. But every time we go they turn us around and say, it's not ready yet. It's too dangerous for anyone to go in. And we're not done recovering bodies. Okay. And do you accept that? Do they accept They do that? not accept that. They don't? No. Because I, I think that makes sense because there's so many missing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you upset the remains, but, I mean, it's windy there. Right. Didn't it, they put up uh, fences around? They did. And those fences, they use all around the island because when you're there Every single afternoon, the winds are probably 30, 40 miles an hour. It's mm. just crazy. But they are concerned about the ash getting, I mean, it is ash. There is nothing left. It's, it, it, was, it was devastating to see this and speak with the people who everything they own is gone. 
there's nothing left except their shirts on their back. And some of those shirts, they just got down the street at another neighbor's house who might have had an extra shirt. So um, how real is the thought that they may not get their land back? Uh, there's a, uh, it's, that is, they're very scared because a lot of those homes were tradition and just passed down to generation. There's not, a lot of people don't have deeds. Um, a lot of people just don't have oh my proof. Gosh. And so that is something where, you know, they reach out to FEMA and FEMA says, well, show us the proof um, that oh that's my gosh, where you how evil. Oh, it's horrible. And so there are quite a few local groups, locals, because there's so much distrust of the government right now. Everyone I spoke with, and it was hard for me to be trusted just because they said, oh, you came from the mainland. You're probably just going to want your logo everywhere. And you're going to, you know, just try to buy us out. Do you say we don't travel <laughs> said, with a logo? We don't travel with logos. Um, <laughs> and, and the one thing that I would always tell them is I'm not here for attention. I'm here to make Lahaina Lahaina again. And that's what would really disarm them and help them to start trusting again. Because we're not in this for fame. We're in this to we help people. We don't care. ever get it. No. I mean, it's crazy. It's, I'm really um, bothered in some ways. It's our choice. But I'm bothered that nobody knows how great this audience is. Mm -hmm. No one knows no. how much they've done. But we don't want, we don't, we don't put our logos, we don't do that at the scene. We're helping others help. Yep. And, and the donors and the audience, they don't want that either. They just want to love their brothers and sisters. And the biggest thing that I heard with the distrust of the government is, one, you, when you travel around Lahaina, you see upside down Hawaiian flags everywhere. And that, and I asked actually a councilwoman who does not agree with us on many things, on many situations and mm. politics. But I asked her, I said, what's with, the, what's with the upside down flag? I know what that means, but why do you think that? And she said, well, we don't feel like a state. We don't feel like we're taken care of by the government here in Hawaii or even by the mainland government. And she said, we are one of the 50 states, we're, but we're being treated as a third world country. And most of the locals said the same thing. They said, well, you just want to give us your $700? We lost everything. We lost our jobs. We're being laid off. We've lost our homes, our family members. What do we do now? And then, you know, maybe they'll have a tent. A lot of people are living in tents in the neighborhood. That's not going to last for two no. years. You can't do so that. So how is this going to affect them long term? Are they going to... Are they going to become more and more bitter? Or what do you think is if, coming? If we don't do the next step, which when I was there, you know, talking to all the locals um, who are heroes and what they're doing. Um, one of them brought something up, and I think we have his clip. His name is Blake. Um, I'd, I'd love for you to watch that clip. Sure. This is going to be a never-ending battle for a couple years at least. Mm -hmm. We have an entire town to rebuild, man, and like, you know, we're going to have funerals probably every day coming up. There's going to be a different funeral every single day, and there's going to be sorrow and despair, so... One of my main concerns moving forward is also on the mental health part of things because we already have a lot of people that have committed suicide that I know of, and we already lost too much, and I just want to do whatever I can to you know, prevent any more loss and tragedy from, for Lahaina. So. I can't imagine. He, he, I reached out to actually through Instagram. Everyone kept saying, you got to meet Blake, and I, I found him, got a hold of him. He's a hero for those people. He has put together... A, a team, as soon as he found out what happened, um, it took him three days to get off or outside of Lahaina. 
And all he was doing during that time was saying, okay, who has this? Who has this? How can we help this person? And the tent where we were at is front of his grandma's house. And they have Bible verses everywhere, just really, really great people. And there were people coming up asking for diapers. Mercury One had just donated some diapers and uh, some other, artif- you know, other things that they needed. But he himself almost killed himself a few years ago because he went through a situation mm. where someone uh, kept him hostage and, uh, and shot at him. Um, he is someone who is an incredible human being. And there are multiple stories like that that aren't being told. Um, and our partners, we are now connecting them. I'm on so many groups right now, and Mercury One is helping get these people connected with the locals and making sure that everything they need is there. And what Blake told me was, we don't need water. We don't need food. What we need is mental health experts. He said, there's no one helping us. And everyone here in Lahaina just wants to help other Lahainans. Let's just help each other. But he said, we're so focused on just surviving that we haven't coped with what we're dealing with. And I was on a truck with him for a few hours just passing air purifiers out because no one's given air purifiers to these people. They're breathing in these toxins that haven't been tested yet. And I just, my question to everyone I met was, how are you doing? And they, every single time, would just start crying. And he was one of those that just started crying and said, I don't know how to handle this. And he said, the kids are going through so much right now. Every school is gone. There is no schools left. And the government said, well, let's get them a bunch of computers and let's just do what we did during COVID. And oh, yeah, that worked out really well And the well locals for are saying, health. no, that was a mental problem in itself. And so the other day, Blake said, hey, we're going to get a shipment. And I, I, in my mind, I said, great, there's probably a dock somewhere. We ended up uh, going to a golf course that was shut down. And the golf course was not happy about us being there, which was frustrating. <laughs> but all these trucks got up on right next to the beach. And then a local from another island brought in surfboards. Uh, Bethany Hamilton, the famous surfer, amazing yeah, yeah, woman, yeah. donated a bunch of surfboards and fishing equipment. These people don't have fishing equipment. They lost it and all. That is a huge part of their life. Right. That's like going to Alaska. It is. And even the surfboards, he's going to donate all of these to the kids who lost surfboards because if you don't have a surfboard, it's like not having a bike. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, this is, there is a crisis there and it's only going to get worse. Mercury One, we're already dedicated to be there un- until they don't need us anymore. I mean, it's, and I think for them, it was good to hear that. Because I know these donors won't stop giving because they're the most amazing donors I've ever personally met in my life. I've never met a group like this. Okay, so would you come on the radio with me tomorrow? And let's just talk about this because, you know, I'll, I'll pay for the airfare if that's what it takes. Let's, let's see if we can find a bunch of volunteers that are psychiatrists that... Uh, you know, have the right training for this. And let's see if we can just put a plane full of people together for, mm-hmm. you know, or just keep them rotating yep. for a while. Yeah. Um, because they are Americans. They are Americans. They're, they are our brothers and sisters, and we don't leave anyone behind. I, um, I urge you to go to mercuryone.org, and um, you can... Donate to our disaster relief fund. Our disaster relief fund is 100% mm-hmm. of every dollar raised goes to that disaster. 
Um, we raise all of the overhead um, yearly with a special gala and everything else we do so we can actually get the entire amount of what you want to those local people that know how to best use that money. Um, we're not a big institution. We're just helping small institutions help themselves. And uh, please donate. And uh, we've got a double whammy going on. Florida, are we there yet? We are there with our partners. We have okay. Barbecue Relief and a couple other ones that are already helping. Okay. Uh, and we will be there in, uh, in Florida as well. Thank you so much for watching. MercuryOne.org. From Dallas, good night, America. Thank <laughs> you.